We're going to go right to God's Word now, and we're going to be looking at a passage from the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs. So we'll take a little break from our series. I knew we had sort of put out there that Dr. Murray was coming, and I wasn't sure who would be coming looking for him or not, and I thought uh, I'd take a break from our series um, and just we'll look at a verse from the book of Proverbs that stood out to me recently uh, in my own Bible reading. Uh, Proverbs chapter 13, one verse, verse 20. Proverbs chapter 13, reading just verse 20. This is what God's Word says, and I'll read it twice. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. I'll read that again. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. This is God's Word for His people tonight. Another thing that persuades me to write to you, my dear boy, is that I have felt in my own experience the want of having a friend to direct and counsel me. I had a kind brother, as you have, who taught me many things. He gave me a Bible and persuaded me to read it. He tried to train me as a gardener trains the apple tree upon the wall, but all in vain. I thought myself far wiser than he and would always take my own way. And many a time, I well remember, I have seen him reading his Bible or shutting his closet door to pray when I have been dressing to go to some frolic or dance or folly. Well, this dear friend and brother of mine died, and through his death, and though his death made a greater impression upon me than ever his life had done, still I found the misery of being friendless. I do not mean that I had no relations with worldly friends, for I had many But I had no friend who cared for my soul. I had no one to direct me to the Savior, none to awaken my slumbering conscience, none to tell me about the blood of Jesus washing away all my sin, none to tell me about the Spirit who is so willing to change the heart and to give victory over passions. I had no minister to take me by the hand and say, come with me and we will do thee good. Yes, I had one friend and minister, but that was Jesus Himself, and He led me in a way that makes me give Him and Him only all the praise. Now Jesus may do this again, yet the more common way with Him is to use earthly guides. If I could supply the place of such a guide to you, I should be happy. To be a finger post is all I want to be, pointing out the way. That is what I so much wanted myself. That's an excerpt from a letter dated August 8, 1836, written by the Scottish pastor Robert Murray McChain to a young man from his congregation who has just left home for the first time. And in that excerpt, McChain underscores both the value and the necessity of keeping good company in the Christian life. In that letter, he talks about how he had it, and then how he lost it, and then how he longed for it again after his brother died. And he offers, in the end, to fill that role in the life of this young man. 
Proverbs 13 verse 20 also underscores the value and the necessity of our keeping good company in the Christian life. It says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. The point is clear, right? The company you keep makes a difference. The people you chum around with, you begin to resemble. I want to consider each of the two halves of this verse with you. We'll begin with the first half. He who walks with the wise grows wise. We ought to remember first what it means to be wise according to the book of Proverbs. In the book of Proverbs, the whole concept of wisdom is is bound up with the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The whole concept of wisdom in Proverbs, it's, it's bound up with the fear of the Lord. So, the one who is wise ultimately is, is one who fears the Lord, and it's one who understands the ways of the Lord. It's, it's the believer. Now, even among believers, we know there are those who display and even have greater levels of wisdom, often, not always, but often they are those who are older, who've walked with the Lord longer, and no doubt each of us can probably think of Christians who are especially wise or, or Christians we've known in our life who were especially wise. But the point here again is simply this. As we spend time with these people, we become like them. Their wisdom, their love for Christ and their trust in Christ and their godliness and all that, it, it, sort, of, it sort of rubs off on us. Tim Challies is a popular blogger. Some time ago, he gave examples of how he saw this principle at work in his own life. He's speaking here about the pastors and elders at his own church, guys he had the opportunity to serve with and spend time with. And this is, this is what he says. He says, there's Murray, whose love for people and whose genuine interest in them is unsurpassed. I'm a person who's naturally shy And I can allow shyness to be an excuse to permit me to be reclusive. Murray's love for people stands as both a challenge and an inspiration to me. And I mean that. He truly inspires me to grow in my love for others, to extend hospitality, to be a genuinely caring Christian. Then there's Tom, whose patient kindness resonates in my soul. I cannot think of anyone who has so powerful a combination of gentleness of spirit and firmness in the faith. He's always ready with a word of encouragement, always eager to steer a conversation to spiritual matters. Tan serves relentlessly with kindness, with patience, and with boldness. And I realized a while ago that I want to be like Tom. Then there's Julian, who, though the youngest of our bunch, exhibits such spiritual maturity He is proof that though an elder is not allowed to be a young and immature Christian, a young man can be mature and well-qualified to serve God as an under-shepherd. In Julian, I see a relentless desire to read Scripture, to study it, to live it. And through that, I see such growth and maturity and godliness. I realized that I wanted to be like Julian. And then there's Paul. From Paul, I've learned to love and respect my wife as I've seen the way he loves and respects his wife. 
From him, I've learned to refer to Eileen not only as my wife, but as my bride. I love that word. It points to a freshness that looks back to the day that she was first given to me. And from Paul, I've learned about the importance of, of, of the skill of applying the gospel to all of life. He loves the gospel, knows of the importance of living in the joy and freedom of that good news. I love to be with him because I want to be like him and to resemble him in these ways and others. Hopefully tonight we can think of similar examples in our own life. I hope each of us can think of wise, godly men and women whose influence has rubbed off on us. Right? That happens. That's how things work. I remember when I was uh, uh, in seminary, um, I was preaching at uh, my own church down in Jenison, and um, after I got done preaching, someone came up to me and said, you sounded just like Pastor Matt. Right? That was our preacher at the church there, but he had, he had rubbed off on me, right? That's what happens. People rub off on us. He who walks with the wise becomes wise. Let's consider now the second half of the verse. But a companion of fools suffers harm. It would be good for us to remember what a fool is, according to the Bible. The fool is ultimately the one who says in his heart that there is no God. That actually comes from the psalm, Psalm 14, verse 1. But if you look at what a fool is, according to the book of Proverbs, you're going to get the same answer. The fool, is, the fool is the sinner. The fool is the one who is proud. The fool is the one who is self-reliant. The fool is one who does not care about others. He only cares about himself and so on. He is the one who says in his heart, there is no God. Of course, that's clear in the simple fact that the book of Proverbs sets up the fool as the antithesis to the one who is wise. And if the one who is wise is the one who fears God, well, then you do the math. What's the opposite of that? The fool is one who doesn't. Now, the point of the, the proverb here is that when we, when, we, when we chum around with and get involved with, become party to, doesn't mean we, we can't go befriend sinners, right? But when we become party to and we kind of go around with and, and do the things that fools do, it usually doesn't end well for us. Okay, that's, that's the point here. And we, we see this in Scripture as well. Try to think of some examples. Samson came to my mind. Samson was, as we know, a companion of fools, especially in his relationship with Delilah, and he suffered great harm because of it. I think, too, of, of Rehoboam, 1 Kings 12. He rejects the counsel of the elders in Israel. They were the ones who were kind of set apart as being wise. He rejects their counsel. Instead, he, he listens to the young men whom he had grown up with. Turns out they were fools. And Rehoboam suffered great harm as the kingdom of God was divided in two because of their counsel. I'm sure those of us who are parents can think of examples from the lives of our own children. We can think of times when our children got mixed up with the wrong crowd and suffered because of it. I can also think of times when my parents said, you really probably shouldn't be hanging out with that guy. They were right, but I didn't listen. I suffered because of it. 
This principle set forth in Proverbs, it's played out, hasn't it, over and over and over again, not just through the Bible, but also throughout history and even today. Of course, this principle is stated in other places throughout the Bible, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company corrupts good character, Galatians 5, 9, a little leaven works through the whole batch of dough, okay, all these verses are saying the same thing. They're operating on the same principle. The company you keep makes a difference. The people you chum around with have an impact and an influence upon you. You walk with the wise, you become wise. You chum around with fools, you suffer for it. What are some practical applications we can draw from this? That's what I want to consider with you for the remainder of our time tonight. What are some practical applications we can draw from this? Well, one practical application Uh, is maybe the most simple, the most obvious one. I'll go there first. It's actually just a few verses later in Proverbs 14, 7. Stay away from a foolish man, (laughs) right? Stay away from a foolish man. Again, this doesn't mean we need to to exercise wisdom here. It doesn't mean we we shouldn't reach out to those who are lost, right? It doesn't mean we shouldn't dine with sinners. But uh, there's a difference between going to someone uh, in the name of Jesus and going to someone to be party to their ways and to be influenced by them, right? Stay away from a foolish man. There are some people you, you do just need to stay away from. So that's maybe the most obvious application. A few more specific applications. In the first place, I think this principle set forth in Proverbs thirteen twenty. It, it highlights our need for the church, doesn't it? The principle that the company you keep makes a difference leads to the question, where can I find good company? The answer, I hope, is in the church. In the church, we, we find people. We find people who, who fear the Lord and who are committed to serving the Lord. And it's by spending time with these people on Sundays as we gather for worship, but throughout the week as well, uh, as we come together for Bible studies or small groups or fellowship dinners or, or to ride rangers through the woods like we did here yesterday or doing a service project, or whatever. It's, it's by spending time with each other, with fellow believers, with people who love the Lord, that we grow wise. This is why it's crazy that people think they can live the Christian life apart from the church. I don't need the church. You know, I'm a believer. I just kind of do my thing at home. Um, it's crazy. It's so, it's so much pride, right? The fact is the, the church, the body of Christ, is one of the means God uses to bestow His life-transforming grace upon us. Now, yes, right? There, this isn't to say there aren't fools in the church. I'm guessing there might be a couple. Certainly not here tonight. Maybe this morning there was, not tonight. But in the same token, I think we can, we can all agree that the church affords us the greatest opportunities to walk with the wise. hope we take advantage of those opportunities. I hope we find ourselves getting involved in various ministries, not only for the purpose of doing our part in the kingdom, but also for the purpose of simply walking with the wise and spending time with other believers in the Lord Jesus Christ in order that they might rub off on us. Second, quick example. I just, I just thought of this. I, was, I see Mark sitting right there. We went to Utah last fall, and it was myself, and it was Mark, and we were with a couple other 
Christian, Dwayne, of course. How could I forget you, Dwayne? You're right there. You're not forgetful, don't worry. But I was thinking of, uh, of uh, Mr. Sitzma, who was with us, a godly man. He goes to church down in Byron Center, and he told me how he reads through the Proverbs, you know, every day. And ever since then, I've actually, I've actually done that. He kind of rubbed off on me. I thought that was good, and that's kind of where this sermon sort of came from tonight, my own reading. But you spend time with godly people, they rub off on you, right? It's a good effect. It's a practical example for my own life. Secondly, or thirdly, or whatever number we're on, don't worry about that, this principle ought to influence our prayers for our children and grandchildren. I mean, in light of this, why, why would we not ask God to put wise people in our children's lives? Why would we not ask Him to provide them with friends and influences and even spouses who are committed to, to serving the Lord? I certainly, I pray for that for my children regularly, daily, that God will put good people in their lives who can influence them for the better in their walk with Christ. A man I know fairly well was approached several years ago by his daughter's boyfriend. We know why daughter's boyfriends approach their girlfriend's father, don't we? He was asking for her hand in marriage. And this young man, he came to his girlfriend's dad, and he said, I would like to marry your daughter. Can I have your permission? And this man said, you tell me, because for the last 20 years, I've been praying that God would give my daughter a godly husband to lead her. Are you him? They are married now. Why would we not pray such a thing for our children? The company you keep makes a difference. He who walks with the wise grows wise. The company of fools suffers harm. Lastly, this verse certainly brings urgency, I think, to our our walk with Christ. Right? Uh, When the book of Proverbs says, 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 he who walks with the wise is wise. On one level, we're, we're called, aren't we, to think about our relationship with others. We're called to think about the people we chum around with and spend time with and work with. I guess we only have so much option we work with, but maybe the people we go, we go hunting and fishing with or golfing with or, or what, do you, what do you ladies do? I'm in all the guy world right now. It's terrible. You have uh, mops with, right, Joel? Mops? Mothers of preschoolers? Whatever. It's at a church too, I guess it's safe. I'm getting in trouble big time right now. We're called to think about, on one level, the people we spend time with, right? Are they wise or are they foolish? Do they fear the Lord or do they say in their hearts there is no God? We need to think about that. This verse calls us to consider that because these people can have great influence and and impact on us. But on another level, certainly this verse calls us to think about our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because whenever the book of Proverbs talks about the one who is wise, right, that ultimately, ultimately, finds its fulfillment in Jesus. He is the wisdom from God, 1 Corinthians 1.30 says. When he's lost in the temple, we're told, his parents didn't know where he was, but everyone hearing him speak was amazed by his wisdom. Mark 7.37, we're going to look at this next week, Sunday morning, tells us that Jesus did all things well. Athanasius said he was wisdom incarnate, right? 
And it, it follows then that we would see in Proverbs 13, 20, a call to walk with Christ and keep company with Christ in order that we might ultimately be like the Lord Jesus Christ. In 156 A.D., the Romans showed up at the house of a man named Polycarp of Smyrna in order that they might arrest him. Polycarp's friends urged him when the knock came at the door to flee out the back door. Get out of here. Polycarp said, God's will be done. He gave himself up. He was arrested. He was brought before a Roman official. And he was told that if he wanted to live, he must renounce his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and pledge his allegiance instead to the Roman emperor. Polycarp refused to do it. And actually, the answer he gave went down in history. He said, 86 years have I served Christ, and he's done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme the king who has saved me? Not long after that, he was burned at the stake. But it's striking to me that the one who by his own admission, walked with Christ for 86 years, should so resemble him in courage and faith at the hour of death. The company you keep makes a difference. The people you spend time with you begin to resemble. Perhaps the reason some of our lives don't look very Christ-like is because we spend very little time with Christ Himself. A little time in prayer, a little time in the Word, a little time pondering His presence and His providences and His creation. Dear friends, he who walks with the wise becomes wise. Are you, are you walking with Jesus? Will He go with you from this place today? Will He go with you throughout the week ahead? Or will you leave Him here and not see him again till next Sunday. Are you walking with Jesus? Are you spending time with him? Is he rubbing off on you? May it be so in each of our lives, by God's grace. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord God, we thank you tonight for the wise people you have put in our lives who have rubbed off on us. Moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, friends, spouses, pastors, fellow members of our church, so many people. We're grateful for each one. Father, we pray that you would continue to put these people in our lives as only you can. Help us to be these people as well in the lives of others people who are wise and who rub off on them for good. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Receive the barding blessing, and we'll close with the doxology afterwards. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.